Welcome to A Handful of Hope, where we bring you heart-to-heart conversations with heart-centered people. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of A Handful of Hope. I'm so happy and grateful to have Tim Winders with us here today, who's a performance coach, author, who specializes in helping executive teams and entrepreneurial leaders maximize their potential by looking beyond traditional cookie-cutter methods that often limit the creative process. A lifelong student, he thrives on helping people discover how to live outside the box and walk out their unique God-given calling. In his own life, he has frequently taken the road less traveled and found great satisfaction off the beaten path. As host of the Seek, Go, Create podcast, Tim goes out to the out-of-the-way places to bring you people who redefine success and impact our world in remarkable ways as dreamers, movers, strategists, and connectors, redefining success in leadership, business, and ministry. Tim, welcome, and thank you so very much for being here. Thank you, Jesse. Great, great to be here. Thank you for the invite. Absolutely. It's great to reconnect with you, Tim. And you are coming to us live from near the Smoky Mountains right now, right? I am. Yeah. We were having fun with internet right before we clicked record here. So we're going to have fun here. Yes, we are. We're here in Western North Carolina, just outside of Cherokee, North Carolina, where uh, we're right at the entrance of the Great Smoky Mountain National Park. So it's a beautiful part of the country. That's incredible. I got to visit the Smokies for the first time last year and it was love at first sight. That's for sure. It is. It's beautiful. You know, there, gosh, there's so much beauty everywhere though, but um this, I mean, the area is real nourishing. This is the time of year where the leaves are changing, depending mm. on when people listen to this. And there's a lot of colors. There's some oranges that are starting, a lot of the yellows. We're probably missing the bright reds that are going to be coming out soon, but it's just, it's a beautiful part of the country. So Tim, tr- traditional cookie cutter, you and your wife live a very untraditional cookie cutter approach to living. You, you spend your time traveling around the States in an RV and you're able to move and be mobile and all that. Tell us a little bit about that. What, what brought you to this? What was the inspiration, if there was one, to do this? And Because and I, I, I just think it's so incredibly cool that the two of you do that, as I expressed before, and it's something I've often fantasized about doing myself. And now knowing you and hearing how you all do it and knowing that you're at the Smokies right now, it, it motivates me all the more to consider it for myself. So can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. There's actually multiple layers to this story. So I'll try to give a, a drill down quick version. And then if you want to unpack some of it, we okay. can. But uh, I'll go all the way back to 08. We lived in a country club community, 117 holes of golf, had a Ritz Carlton as a neighbor. And we were doing very well financially. All three of our companies, seven figures plus, all three of our companies in the real estate space. So I don't probably need to give a lot more detail there other than to say by 2013, we were essentially homeless living in a Honda van and had less than $100 probably in our bank accounts at various times. So we hit the road, started traveling. We became, we like to use the word nomads. It just sounds better than homeless. So not to offend anyone, if that word is not a good word, we were homeless, but we like to call it nomads. So we embarked on travel because we really had no place to go. We had a lot of connections. We had a lot of people that were a blessing to us and supported us and had a lot of doors open up that were, I guess, surprises to us. We ended up being, we lived in Australia, New Zealand for nine months, house sitting of all things, watching someone's pet on the South Island of New Zealand for three months. It was an outdoor cat also, by the way. 
and uh, all over New all over Australia, and we did that all over the U.S. also. And and to kind of progress the story along, we actually started doing better financially. We had provision and things coming to us. We were both also in ministry as well as we do our businesses. And and we decided to go to Bible school in Colorado, up in up in the mountains of Colorado in 2015. We did that. We were there for a few years, a little bit permanent. We were still traveling some. And Jesse, when we finished up, my wife kind of was spending some time, quiet time, you know, meditating, prayer, whatever people want to call it. For us, we call it prayer. And she came out and says, I think we're supposed to travel again when we finish up this Bible school experience. She goes, I think we're supposed to get an RV. And, you know, for those that can see this visual, guys need to get the look on their face when their spouses or, or their wives or significant others says something and not have the look of, uh, you know, uh, shock, okay. shock and awe or whatever. So I kind of had a real frozen look because I knew what came out of my mouth next could cause me trouble. So my comment was something like, boy, I hope that was God, because if it's not, I can't even spell RV. I don't even know what RV is. Anyway, Jesse, so that was like spring of 2018. And by summer of 2018, we owned the RV Theo that I'm in right now. There's 39 feet behind me. I'm in the passenger seat. And we uh, gutted him, did all kinds of stuff, ripped everything out, ripped out a bunch of weight and cabinets and flooring and painted and redid the whole thing. And in late 2018, 2019, moved into our RV Theo full-time and have been living and traveling in them ever since. Now, obviously, we haven't done Australia and New Zealand. We've done uh, mainly America. We haven't even left the, the boundaries of America. And that's what we've been doing for the last going on two years now. Absolutely incredible, Tim. And I, I want to go back. You mentioned early in the story that when you guys had lost everything after 08, the, you were surviving on maybe less than 100 bucks in your bank account at times, and you were living in a Honda van. You switched the name from homeless to nomads. I'm wondering, was, and it sounded like that was a very intentional shift. I'm wondering what that shift did for you all psychologically and emotionally, because I think oftentimes linguistically we handcuff ourselves to our challenges and our problems. And if we were willing to reframe things and offer ourselves a different perspective, we might see a different experience. So I'm hoping maybe you could speak to that a little bit of what did that reframe, that renaming of homelessness to nomad do for you all? Well, I, you know, I won't go, I won't go deep into a spiritual conversation because actually there's a lot of spiritual uh, impact that that has on it. But but really, in our culture, the word homeless is perceived as a negative. And in the word nomad, there's digital nomad. All, it seems more cool. Mm. So on a surface level, it could have been that we were, we felt shamed. We were embarrassed. We didn't want to really admit the situation we were in. That could have been part of it because unfortunately pleasing and you know, allowing other people to dictate our mindset is part of a lot of our culture. And that's not a healthy thing typically, but it could have been that. But kind of the deeper level of it, if one goes back to ancient scriptures, I'll call it the Old Testament in, in, my, in my belief system, there is a couple called Abraham and Sarah. They're significant in not only the Jewish culture, but also the uh, Judeo-Christian culture too. And Abraham and Sarah were considered nomads. And my wife and I, we spend a lot of time in prayer, a lot of time in study, and a lot of time in ministry. And we just, I don't know if we just assumed it, Jesse. I don't know if we were fooling ourselves. I don't know if 
God spoke it to us. I, I don't know any of that. I'm not going to sit here and say I, tr I understand it. But you're the first person that's ever asked me that question. And I do believe it's significant that we started using the term nomad instead of homeless mm. because nomad is someone that's moving around with purpose. Homeless is someone who's lost everything typically and they're waiting for something to happen. So we definitely, in looking back, hindsight is valuable. We definitely, looking back, we were nomads. We were mm. traveling around. We had purpose. There were things that were going on that we didn't see at the time. We didn't understand at the time. But as we look back on them now, we were being guided and led in a very supernatural way and also practical way. I mean, we needed a place to stay at times. We needed roof over our heads. We needed food at times. And we had some very, very practical things that occurred. And so we were nomads. We, we actually still are nomads. Yeah, I, I just, I love that. I absolutely love that, Tim, because I think of like even the, con the homeless, less lacking, right, without, and nomad on the move and that invitation of while things may not be how you want them to be right now, stuff's moving around, you know, God, the universe, spirit, whatever someone believes is, is conspiring in your favor. And while the blueprint may not be working in the way that you originally thought, you're trusting in that plan, that God, creator, universe, spirit, whatever has for you and willing to move with it instead of resist it. Or, yeah, just allow that to happen. And, you know, many times what we do, and listen, you're talking to a hard charger here, and I know you're like that, and there's probably a lot of people listening that we kind of maybe have a little bit of the, if it is to be, it's up to me mindset. And yeah. We're going to hustle and get the job done. And, and, and listen, I would be considered that type person, but, but then also I cannot deny that most of what has occurred to get us to where we currently are has very little to do with me. <laughs> I mean, has, have, I been a have I been a participant? Have I attempted to listen to, you know, the Lord speaking to me or universe yeah. if it's what that, but have I attempted? Absolutely. Do I journal every morning and I, I consider that to be conversations with God? Yes, I do. But but dang it, I got to admit, you know, maybe this gives people hope. Maybe this is a hope message here. I don't think that I'm that smart or that good or that great. I cannot deny a divine hand in everything that has happened with mm -hmm. us up to this point, including where I'm sitting at right today, including having a conversation with you. Tim, I want to, if we can unpack that a little bit, because that's, that is, I feel like a message of hope. So let's just play in that space for a minute. If you're not not that smart, not that great. You, you're a hard charger. If it's meant to be, it's up to me. You totally believe that, but you recognize also that there has been something else in working your favor and so much that this, if it is to be, it's up to me mindset, while it serves, it may not be the, the, the thing that makes the thing happen. So where would you say in all that? Because I hear, I hear acknowledgements of maybe what we could consider quote unquote weaknesses or you know, what society might label them as. And I can hear acknowledges of strength, work ethic, whatnot. But I'm wondering in that context, if you were to step back and take that 10,000 foot perspective, what would you say your greatest superpower is in being a, in being the liver of your life and allowing it to, or having it unfold in the way it has? 
Well, that's a great question, Jesse. And unfortunately, I could actually go back in time. I could go 10 years. There would be a very different answer than there would have been 20 years ago, very different 30 years ago. Uh, I would have said probably 30 years ago, it's my ability to get things done. You give me 20 things, I can get those things done in record time. Probably kind of like the Marines, I would say, I get it done before noon every day, better than most people. Very boastful, pretty arrogant, but that's probably the way I would have thought about it. Uh, probably 10 to 20 years ago, I would have said, well, I've gained some wisdom with all my experiences so I can do certain things uh, more effective and efficiently than many others can but I'm also kind of quiet and doing things smarter. Today, I would have to say, and this is going to be another little odd word, I would have to say I'm living a life of obedience, which is another little spiritual term, where yeah. I, I am literally just listening quietly. And then when I get a task that I feel strongly I'm supposed to do, then I'll go after it. But primarily, Jesse, I am attempting to be obedient. And so the superpower is obedience. And that's probably something a lot of people wouldn't consider a superpower, but it's the thing that is working, that's leading us to where we are. And again, I have to get a little bit of history here. I, 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 I built seven figure companies. We lived in a beautiful country club resort area that all dissipated. It all disappeared. So, you know, there's a term that, that we use in some spiritual principles that we have is, is it built on sand or is it built on rock? And I obviously had built some things on sand. And so what I'm hopeful of is that now we're building things on rock by just being obedient to the, the spiritual principles that I have. And that is in no way speaking to anyone's spiritual beliefs one way, right way. That's not what I'm about. Yeah. Because, but whatever it is, embrace it, <laughs> grab yeah. hold of it and be obedient to it. Because, uh, you know, I think what we're saying here, even if someone speaks universe or even something be beyond my spiritual beliefs, I think you're still saying that hope has something to do with a higher power or something bigger than us. Because if we're just looking at ourselves I sometimes struggle if I were just going to depend upon myself and all that I can do. So I hope that's okay to say, yeah. but that's really the strong belief I have that hope really comes from saying, you know what, there's something bigger than me and I'm just going to submit and be obedient to that bigger thing and then see what my assignment or purpose is within that bigger thing. Hopefully that's not churchy words there, but it's like basic foundation words. You know, I, I love that answer, Tim, and the reason I love that answer is there's a couple reasons. Number one, I feel like that answer plays so beautifully into going against this cookie cutter approach to life, to business, which I want to get to in a moment. The reason is, is because I feel like how we're taught what obedience is, is the opposite of how you just described obedience. And I think it's that traditional following of obedience is essentially the cookie cutter model that most of us will follow going through life business relationships. You know, the, the condensed cliff notes version is go to school, get whatever grades, maybe go to another school, maybe get a job, get a job, get a relationship, get a, 
get a mortgage or whatever it is, get a credit card, get a car, get some kids. And we all know how those stories for many of us end up. We wake up one day and we start searching. We're searching and we realize maybe the person we're in a relationship with isn't who we want to be. Our life's not what it is. Our job isn't what we want. Our health isn't where we want it to be. And so much of that is a byproduct, I think, of that cookie cutter approach because we're not trusting in that knowing that God, spirit, universe, whatever someone's beliefs is, that gut feeling that each of us have felt at different times. And rather than listening to and being obedient to it, even though there's this knowing that that will go in the times that we have trusted it for all of us, it has always worked out in a beautiful way, proving time and time again that there is something conspiring in our favor. But yet it seems impossibly hard for us to learn to trust it because we're so stuck in that cookie cutter obedience model that we've been taught. And I, so I, I love what you just said because I had never considered obedience in that frame before. And that to me is blissfully empowering because as someone who's constantly working on trust in that and, and wrestling with that, get it done, I'll get this done, you know, qu qualifying my days by quantity and wrestling with that, if it's, if it's up to me, I love that obedience thing because oftentimes there is that feeling sense of knowing that, hey, tone it down. Maybe there's a better way, like step back from this a little bit. You could have a different perspective, but I'm so in there that I'm just hammering away, hammering away at it. Yeah, that, I mean, and so there's even like layers to this also, Jesse. It's, it's something I was thinking about recently. Someone was asking me and I said, you know, it's really odd. I used to think about money and success all the time. And it's really interesting to me, the less I think about it now and focus on other things, the things we're talking about, obedience and where's my place in this bigger system, uh, you know, this higher, higher level system, the more money I have, the less, I guess, pure effort I put in. Listen, I'm not sitting here trying to say I sit around and do nothing all the time but the less busy effort might be a good way of saying it. Mm. I mean, there was, there was a time I used to pridefully show my calendar because I would put it up against anybody. It's like, Oh, Jesse, you know, we, we were talking somewhere and we have a job. Oh, how you doing? I'm really busy. Yeah, I'm pretty busy. Let me show you my calendar. Let me show you how busy I am. How busy are you? You know, at all, yeah. you know what? I worked until midnight last night and then I got up at two and I worked a little bit more. How about you? How busy, you know, it's just kind of like yeah. this badge of honor that we have with just effort instead of this peace and calm of just receiving and accepting things that are already out there and whatever i use the word assignment a lot it's it's kind of military it's also got a little spiritual meaning to it but it's my assignment what's my assignment today and my assignment today is i had a podcast recording earlier i had a team meeting for our team right before this call my assignment right now is to speak to you to listen as intently as I can, to try to answer as, as truthfully and, and as upfront as I can, and hopefully be a blessing to me and you and whoever's listening. And, and, and then I've got another interview right after this, and then I've got another client call. And that's my assignment for the day. There's, there's nothing more and nothing less. And that's all I could do. So at the end of the day, I'll go, you know what? I did the best I can. You know, I, we, we've, we've got internet. Hallelujah. Yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, and you got the Smokies right outside your front door. I mean, I am the Smoky Mountains. I'm just outside of an Indian reservation here, and I am, you know, we'll go out later and we'll grill, and then tomorrow we're we're gonna pack up and go somewhere else. So anyway, so cool. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful life. We all have the opportunity to live. Tim, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about cookie cutter approaches to business. I, I, maybe we could just start by brief, and I think that's a loaded word, but a brief outline of what is the traditional, or is there a traditional cookie cutter model you see most businesses befall? And then maybe we can go a step deeper and what would be for business owners listening to this, entrepreneurs, people who are running large teams, where would be a first key step for them to take to help them start to break free from that cookie or break out of that cookie cutter method? Yeah, and how those are, I could, I, could, I could try to be real brief on this because what really happens with organizations is the same thing that happens to humans. We compare ourselves to others, and instead of us defining what success means specifically and uniquely for us, we look at others and we try to duplicate instead of innovate and do things that we're supposed to be doing. And so the cookie cutter is what you mentioned earlier go to school, get a good education, and work, 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 you know, save up, maybe retire someday, maybe down the road, get an RV and travel and go somewhere. Let me just tell you, in RV world, you need to get an RV as young as you can, because there is a lot of work involved with traveling with these things. So don't, don't go that route. But with companies, Jesse, they do, it's the same way. We need to get started. We need to start hiring people. We need to maybe get investors. Maybe we need venture capital. And so they think about things and they do it just like everyone else. Mm. The non-cookie cutter that I like to bring to the table is the theme of everything that I do. It's the theme of my life for the last 15 years, maybe even longer than that. And that is redefining success. How do you, Jesse, with Jesse Corporation, how do we define success for you? What is your specific assignment in this life, in this world, with what's going on all around, whatever, whatever you're supposed to be doing? Once we define that, then we can do some strategies. And some of them might look familiar. They might look like some other people are doing, but it is not cookie cutter. It is specific mm. for you and your business, your company, personally, whatever it is. So that when I say non-cookie cutter, I don't go in with like, okay, we're going to do A, B, C, D. First thing we do is we define what success is, maybe in small bite-sized pieces, maybe in big all-encompassing, like this next week, I'm going to be going in with a, a C-level team with an organization. I've been working with them for about seven months, and I work with the entire leadership team. There's five of them. I coach all of them one-on-one, and every quarter, every 90 days, we meet for two days. We've been able to even meet during all of the times we're in. We go through strategic sessions where we make sure that our vision, values, all those things are still aligned, razor-sharp aligned with what we said they were when we got started. We'll adjust them if we need to. And then for the next 90 days, we're gonna sprint and get the things done to help us achieve and accomplish those items. It's very unique for them, very specific. And uh, that's, that's roughly what it is. And I kind of get excited about it, so I have to calm down. Did that answer yeah. your question? No, I, I love that. And I'm curious, Tim, when you're doing that with folks and you're helping them redefine success, because I, I love that you start with that, because I feel like success is such a loaded, such a loaded phrase. And much of our perception of success is based off of what we see other people doing. It's the, 
I remember when Ty Lopez did, first did the, hey, this is check out my car, this is my Lamborghini video, and how many people you'd start to see that. And then you'd hear stories of people going and borrowing cash on a credit card to go film themselves in front of cars that they would rent to try to project this image of success. And, and I'm wondering, when you're working with folks defining success, do you give them any metrics to guide that? Is it purely within the confines of professional? Or are you going externally and looking at things like how does work become a function of serving you know, your ministry work or your bigger life purpose or charitable organizations or uh, what, is the, what is the intersection between work and personal life? Does that go factor into it at all? Are you working with them specifically in terms of how they show up and who they are at work? You know, I actually believe that people are who they are 24-7 and spirit soul and body that's whatever their spiritual is i think it's 24 7 i don't think you could check that at the door whatever you do soul you know our mind will and emotions we are that we were created that 24 7 we can't listen there's an integrity issue and it's called hypocrisy if you're different in one environment different in another first of all i believe it's my role to call that out if you and I are interacting, I don't believe that's the case because you and I have talked a few times here, but you know, if I pick up on you and I are hanging out with our wives or our spouses and you're speaking and talking one way, but yet then we go into your office where we're working. If I hear a different tone, if I, if I feel as if your heart is different, mm. it's my job, even if you don't like it to say, Hey, Jesse, listen, I think we've got some issues we need to discuss with, you know, our actions not lining up with our words. And that's obviously integrity. And I don't use the word hypocrite, but usually people don't bring me in because of just the way I am, unless they are ready to get down to the bare bones truth of whatever is going on. So if someone's got a lot of that going on, they're probably not going to ask me to come I mean, someone who brings me in, they're wanting to reach the maximum levels in all areas of their life. I've been married for over 32 years. So many times people that come to me are people that either have struggled in relationship or they want to get better at it because they perceive I'm not perfect. My wife and I've been together, work together, but they say, you know what? I want to build what I'm building without losing my wife and family. Hmm. Seems like you've done that. I'd like to do that too. You know what? I, I want to build at a hard pace at a, at a, at a strong pace, but I need it to also fit into some of my basic belief systems and, uh, and all of that kind of fits in it. Now it just happens to be that I'm an industrial systems engineer with a lot of business, hardcore business experience that we weave in all of that. So the, the real answer is that we really address all of it. Some people don't necessarily like to hear that. That's kind of okay because we're probably not going to be a good match to work together. Uh, I'm looking for people that want to succeed greatly in whatever their calling is, that business, or I even work with ministries and other organizations. I want their families, their children, spouse, whatever. I want that to be something where we can all hang out and it's not like they run if they see, you know, the business people show up. Yeah. And you know what? I want there to be something that five, 10, 15 years from now, if they're building something big for them to either be able to exit it or when they walk away from it, they move into something else that's as fulfilling, as joyous, you know, as anything that they've been doing because 
that's just my belief system. So my hope, my hope, hope is that those are the type of people that I get matched up with and, and work with. Tim, talk to us a little bit about your podcast. You have a podcast and it's, it's fairly recent, right? And it's been running now. You're getting a lot of joy out of it. You have some really cool guests on. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, we, the, the name of the podcast is Seek, Go, Create. Seek, Go, Create. Those three words, we just mash them together. And there's an origin story that kind of goes over where those words came from, if anyone has interest in that. And you could probably guess there's some spiritual meaning, there's some practical meaning, there's a number of things involved there. But uh, a little over a year ago from at the time we're recording this in late September, October of 2019, I just felt the urging to share. And that was all it was. And so we started with uh, season one was all about the downfall, our homelessness, bankruptcy, every, all the ugly stuff we went through. And Jesse, we shared all that on season one. You can actually hear my voice quivering mm. at times with me, almost therapeutic, I guess. I had talked about it, but I had never really maybe owned it and shared it. Well, all of a sudden, you know this, when you put something on a podcast, it's out there. And so that was season one. Season two was just talking about the nomad life. Everybody always asks, what's it like to live in RV? What's it like to house sit? Where do you get internet? How do you work? All those things. Season two was that, so I could maybe not answer that all the time. And then season three was a study that I'd been doing on leadership for years. It's titled The Ultimate Leader. And basically, I take a definition of leadership that I have never heard, and I unpack it for about nine episodes. And that was our first three seasons. And then I finally felt like I could get into what I really wanted to do, which was begin interviewing just cool and interesting people, having conversation with them while the microphone was going. And so that's the rhythm we're in now. We've got new episodes every Monday and it's a blast. I'm loving it. We're just, just finishing up our one year anniversary. We've got over 70 episodes that are now available for people to go listen to. That's awesome. Tim, before I find, ask my final question, where can people find you online? You know, the best and easiest place is that seek, go, create. It's those three words, seekgocreate.com. No hyphens, no underlines, seekgocreate.com. And if they go there, they'll, they'll find out more about me. I'm obviously on there, but they'll also learn more about the podcast. And they could kind of connect with our community that we have is really everything that we're about. We're redefining success is our tagline, redefining success in leadership, business, and ministry. And uh, there's a place there they can actually pop their email address in and they'll be part of our community and we'll keep in touch with them there. Tim, this has been such a really incredible conversation with you. And I think for a final question, I'm curious with the traveling that the two of you do, you and your wife, and it, what I'm hearing thematically through this whole conversation with you is there's always been this, there's this continual evolution of who you are continue evolution of what matters most, how you show up, who you are. And I'm really curious if you've experienced a similar evolution and how you approach travel. And I'll give you a little bit of context for that. I think that I'll use myself as an example. Road trips used to be this, oh my God, sit in the car. It's going to take forever. And now it's much more of how can I, how can I carve out a route where I can really slow down and look at the trees? You know, where are the best photos? And what that is for me is it's not so much about hurrying up to get there, which I think kind of mirrors back to that whole entrepreneurial pitfall that many of us stumble into of like, let's hurry up and get to that goal. 
but it's really about being present and enjoying the journey. It's being present and enjoying the process. And then sometimes too trusting in that, hey, let's just take a little detour and see what's over here. So I'm just curious for you, all the travel you've done, cross country, all these cool places, doing this for as long as you have, has there been an evolution for you in the approach experience of it? And if so, what's that like? Yeah, that's, that's really good. I had a lot of thoughts that were going through my mind as you were asking that. And one of the things that I realized that I was wired for years and years ago was that I always had this mindset of when I get to a certain point, then I will have arrived. That also fits into the how we define success because I think our society and culture does that quite a bit. And my personality was like throwing gas on the fire. And I was building businesses and I always had this thought, when I reach this level or this you know, uh, revenue or whatever, then I will relax, then I'll do this, then I'll do whatever. So, so when we moved in the RV, I've got to tell this quick story. When we moved in the RV, it was late 2018, uh, right around January, January 1st of 2019. And we were in Colorado. We were moving out of an apartment that we'd had for a short period of time at 9,000 feet. The temperatures dropped down to below zero during that time frame when we were moving in. Let me just go ahead and tell people, being in an RV when the temperatures are below freezing is not super fun. And so I, I already joked, I couldn't spell RV. We had all this stuff going on and we were going to be going to Zion. We were going to go to the entrance of Zion because we had read that the temperatures are milder in that part of Utah. Actually, they had one of the coldest winters ever that year, but that's a whole other story. So I'm going down Highway uh, 25 South from Colorado Springs down towards Albuquerque, and there's still snow on the ground. I've got 40 feet behind me. I'm not that comfortable driving it. I've got things freezing up all over. I'm doing the death grip on the steering wheel. And I've got this rear view mirror, which is my only way to see behind me, that because of the cold or whatever, it keeps kind of laying down on its side, which means I can't see out of it. And so I'm just kind of fussing a little bit. And I'm doing it in the form of a prayer, just so you know. It's kind of like, I'll just go ahead and say, God, what is going on? I just want to get to Zion. I just want to get there, which is kind of funny if you understand what Zion means in all in, your, in prayer. But anyway, so Jesse, I'm doing all this and I'm just kind of fussing and I'm saying, we got to get there. We got to get there. My teeth are gritted. I'm holding on. And I just hear this quiet, still voice that says, enjoy the journey. Just what you said a minute ago. Mm. Enjoy the journey. And I took a deep breath and I looked around and I still had snow-capped mountains to my right. We were going to a place down in Albuquerque. We were going to stay our first night on an alpaca farm of all places. And they had snow there too. They had had the first snows in, in New Mexico they had in a while. But the evolution is working the muscle. And it's not a quick decision. It's a muscle, Jesse, to in life with all that we do, enjoy the journey. The things that look rough when your rear view mirror is tilting on its side, when it's five below, when, you're, when you've got your water systems and all freezing up, you know what? Enjoy the journey. And that's been the evolution. We're now two years in almost. We're actually circling back to Zion pretty soon. And I'm thinking back to that, the first few days we were there where I didn't have a clue what was going on. I am so excited to go back with this frame of mind enjoy the journey. That's the message. 
Everyone, my goodness, will we want to rewatch and re-listen this one. Tim shared so generously with us a plethora of wisdom, insight, and observational experience from an incredible journey that he's been on. Talking about the cookie cutter approach and starting right off with just how each him and his wife choose to live with the 30 plus foot RV traveling around the US. The mindset shift going from homeless to nomad. I think that is such a profound thing and it begs the question for all of us. So where, what are some linguistic shifts that we can make in our life? Where are we linguistically limiting ourselves right now? How are we linguistically handicapping ourselves and our business, our relationships, our health, our wealth? And is there a homeless to nomad type shift that we can make? Because if we're willing to look, we probably can. Gosh, I loved the redefining of obedience. That just, it absolutely blew my mind. It's one of my favorite things I've heard recently. Because when I really, the more I reflect on it, and Tim, I'm going to reflect on this even more throughout the day after our conversation. The more I really reconsider about what true obedience can be and how powerful it can be. And whether you're someone who believes in God, spirit, universe, source, unconscious, gut instinct, whatever it is, each of us have had an experience at some point in our life where we have trusted, we have been obedient to that feeling, that quiet whisper, that sense of knowing. And when we have followed it, magic has unfolded. Yet so many of us wrestle with, myself included, learning to trust and listen to that, to be obedient to that more often. But I know that my life is beautifully guided whenever I do. And this was just such an inspiring way to reconsider what obedient can truly mean and looking at how the old way of obedience might have been handicapping and harming and holding you back. Allowing ourselves to let go of that, if it's meant to be, it's up to me, do, do, you know, work, put the work in, but also, again, trusting in that process that there could be a synergy as opposed to an army of one going out and conquering the world. Enjoy the journey, my friends. What a beautiful way to wrap up and look at it. That oftentimes, whether it's a, a, a definition of success that doesn't serve us, whether it is a way of living that's not conducive to who we really are in spirit, whether it's how we're showing up in our relationships and our business, so often we miss out on our moments because we're such in such a hurry to get there that we are literally gripping the proverbial steering wheel with that death grip, white knuckled, going through life, gritting our teeth, just trying to make it through the moment, the day, the hour, the week. You know, right now, many of us have been white knuckling the last eight months as we're recording this in October of 2020, and we've been going through COVID this whole nine. And some of us are still white knuckle pulling the string. Well, I just can't wait to get through it. I just can't wait for this to be over. What if we allowed ourselves to relax that grip and find it within ourselves to enjoy the journey? And we might have circumstances that are challenging right now that may seem like they're inhibitors to that, but there is something you can control. Just the same as there's freezing temperatures, snow on the road, you might be uncomfortable driving it, but you have the capacity to let go of the focus you have and open your mind to a focus that maybe you didn't have before that allows you to enjoy the journey. And Tim, this has been such an incredible journey with you today. I so appreciate you and thank you for fighting through the internet. We were a little white knuckled with gritted teeth at first with the internet, but I'm so grateful we did it. And this has been a magical journey to share with you today, my friend. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Jesse. I enjoyed it. Absolutely. We will see you next time, everyone, on another edition of A Handful of Hope. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you're finding value in these conversations, please rate and review on Apple, Google, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite place is to listen to them.